As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, Blenders, and welcome, welcome to episode number 128 of Real Blend, a podcast that says a prayer to Beyonce ahead of every recording. My name is Sean O'Connell, the managing director here at Cinema Blend, and boy, oh boy, do we have some big news for you guys this week. We're also going to get into the Emmy nominations. We're going to talk about a release date for Tenet. Oh, that's funny. And uh, and a whole lot more to get to for our weekly episode. But uh, first, let me introduce the guys, starting with Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. Hi, Jake. How are you? My man. How are you, brother? Congratulations on an incredibly successful, insightful, and overall badass panel on Sunday. Oh, thank you. Justice Con. That was really, really cool. Um, if anyone hasn't seen that yet, you can go Go over to Justice Khan's YouTube channel and put you, you on my TV. Hey, oh, did you really? That's cool. Um, where I discussed the release of Snyder Cut book. Um, Kevin watched it also. Hi, Kevin. This is Kevin McCarthy of Fox Five in Washington D.C. Thank you, Sean. Yeah, we watched it on the uh, TV upstairs. I watched all of it, <laughs> cool. and it was like riveting. I was like, it was interesting because there were moments where I forgot that we were like we knew each other, and I'm like, this guy knows what the heck he's talking about. Like you were like <laughs> re- like every single question <laughs> that you were asked, I was riveted in knowing. The answers to it, because I, I'm like you, I'm also interested in that story. So right. uh, to me, that was really cool to hear your the the original idea. And I like you talk about Michelle and the kids. It was really cool. So but one thing I will ask, be, only because I wouldn't be me if I would if I didn't ask sure. this, I, I didn't understand your your opening joke. Can you please explain? Oh, uh, yes. Well, see, you have to watch Jake Hamilton's uh, interviews where he interviewed uh, the cast of. Sabrina Work Carpenter, it? Work It. Work yeah, it's, it? A new, it's a new upcoming Netflix film. A new okay. Netflix, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. And I guess at some point the character says there's a prayer a, a, to Beyonce. A, yeah, there's a joke. It's in the trailer, too, where the character is like getting ready for something big, and she prays to Beyonce. Oh. And so I asked the leads, like, if you had a big acting audition, who is the actor that you would pray to? <laughs> That's a great good question. question. Yeah, it was a really good question. Yeah. That's why I wanted yeah. to pull it into this week's episode. Cool. So uh, speaking of this week's episode, um, I want to remind everybody that we have that community page over on Facebook. And in addition to that, for people who don't like to use Facebook, because I'm actually finding out that there's a lot of people who don't want to be on Facebook anymore for various reasons. Um, some other... I don't use Facebook. Uh, 
Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, I was, I guess I was going to say I'm surprised at the number of people that don't use it, but no, more people are just drifting away from it. So I haven't opened um, up my Facebook app in forever. I actually deleted all my social media apps off my phone, which has been really helpful. If anybody out there has stress or anxiety, if you get those apps off your phone and just deal with them on your computer, you control the app versus the app controlling you. Um, I still pick up my phone and click to the spot where the app used to be, which is really funny because you're just so used to that. Yeah. But uh, for now, now I'm just looking at social media on my computer at a very limited capacity. And it's, I think it's healthier that way. That is awesome. definitely healthier. Um, yeah. But I want to let people know that uh, some listeners of the show were nice enough to set up a subreddit uh, for the show for people who, who use Reddit all the time. And so you can head over there and join there conversation so you can now talk about the show uh on social media on twitter if you want to you can go to the facebook community page and you can go to reddit all things that have been established by people not associated with this show at all which doesn't mean that we're lazy what more do you want from us o'connell it just means that people are taking the idea uh and <laughs> running just with went. it yeah. <laughs> um, but that gets us to our big announcement and gabe i'm going to pull you in for this because we are introducing uh starting well, next week, uh, but but kind of we're teasing it on this week's show. Uh, something called Real Blend Premium. Uh, Gabe, tell the people what they what they've won. <laughs> Come on down. Yes, yes. Starting today, you can sign up uh, for Real Blend Premium. Uh, we've been working on this in the background for a while now, um, and basically, it's just a way to get you guys some extra content. People have been asking for more. Uh, we often feel like we have ideas that we could do more stuff. And so we're delivering that now with this Real Blend Premium membership. Uh, so with that, you get an extra episode each week. So it'll be a random topic that we, you know, wouldn't normally bring up on the show, mm-hmm. or it would be, uh, you know, a topic that comes up on the show as, as like a tangent or something, and we want to dive in deeper later. Um, Wait, one or, of those so, episodes is going to be Bathroom Blend, by the way. Not, not well, the first so here's one, the thing. but one of them here's is the going thing. to be Bathroom Blend. I wish it was the opener. Yeah. Bathroom Blend will be on... Premium, but I have to be convinced that it's a whole episode. I don't know. Oh, Can we do twenty minutes on three hours me? on bathroom? It's going to take fifteen <sighs> minutes just to convince right. me to do it. First of all, <laughs> all right, well, we'll do an episode. Gabe, we need to. I, I want to dissect these scenes shot by shot and frame by frame and and droppage by droppage. You know, I, 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 no. I, I feel like there's a lot we need to get into with these scenes, man. I'm telling, dude. I, I could spend all day walk, walking through Finch's right. American Pie scene. Who when does he, number know, two? The way he lifts for. his legs up is great. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So continuing on because it's not just bonus episodes. Uh, you will also get a biweekly newsletter from Sean, which is which will be what? curated stories, little uh, little blurbs about his movie of the week that he's going to recommend. Oh yeah, um, that's a, I'm a little bit excited about that, and I'm going to get feedback from the guys um, to do this as well too. But I want to make movie recommendations of things that people can watch or stream or catch up on. Cause I do find that a lot of the feedback we get from the show in particular, the main show is that, Oh, I watched so-and-so because the guys were talking about it and I, a ne- never seen it or B haven't seen it in forever. So we like to sort of continue that experience and bring you fresh recommendations yes. in this newsletter. And the, the final benefit that'll come with the premium membership um, is that you'll continue to get an ad-free experience. So we don't sell ads on the show right now. We're building up to that, and that'll be happening soon. Um, and if you don't want ads or uh, just a little extra benefit of, with all the extra content um, is that you'll get an ad-free experience. So you get a bonus episode every week, you get a bi-weekly newsletter, um, you get an ad-free experience, and maybe some, some different ideas that we'll have down the road. 
Um, you can Gabe, s- what happened to the concept of Sean flying to each person's home who signs up a premium and watching Forrest Gump with them if they sign up for the service? Mm. Well, no, that's for just for any listener of the show. You don't oh, have to be premium. Okay. Sean, oh, will, Sean will fly also, to your house. Yeah. When he stays just, over, no pillow or blanket mm, required. None whatsoever. Well, yeah. <laughs> no. And you and you go to He's sleep. Perfectly fine with that. Right. It. And you go to sleep watching the tornado scene from Man of Steel. That, that's what that's what puts you to sleep. Constantly. Yeah. So, it's on loop. So you hear actually. me sobbing. <laughs> My heart broken. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you can you can look at the, uh, the there's a link in the description of the show uh, to go and sign up or you can just head to head to bit.ly slash premium and that'll get you there. You can sign up. Uh, it's five bucks. Uh, you can attach it to whatever podcast app you listen to um, and it'll just start popping up this new feed uh, within the feed that you already have. And while starting Monday, August 3rd, while we're sending you to places to get real blend stuff, go to uh, cinemablend.com backslash shop. And you can buy Roblin merch because why not? Because we're growing and turning this into a whole thingamabob. Thanks. Like and this? look at that stickers. Awesome. I love it. Yes. Just like that. Uh, and in addition to listening to all of us, of course, you can watch us on the cinema blend YouTube page where all of our clips are going to. And uh, the Dave Franco one was doing pretty well. People were watching that. I was going to make a joke this week about how funny I thought it was that a movie called the rental was number one at the box office. <laughs> That's just funny to me. But then I watched your your Beyonce thing, and then that sort of inspired that. See, this is the type of exclusive content that you're going to get as a Real Blend <laughs> premium membership. The jokes yes. that don't make it to the main show. Yes. I'll, uh, I'll make sure to put them into the newsletter. All right, weekly poll. It, it wasn't good enough for the show, so no. we're going to make you pay for it. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Uh, weekly poll. Okay, so uh, Gabe put this one up, and I thought that was really great. It got really good traction on it. It was, what is your go-to genre on a movie night. And I'll just break it down for you guys. 19% of the people who voted said horror. So this is that when you're at home, you're looking for something to watch. You don't have a particular title. What are you going to go to? 19% said horror. 34% said drama. 30% said comedy. And then 16% said other. There was a lot of people in the other comments that put um, action movies, science fiction, and then crime drama had a lot of mentions. So let's go around the horn and talk uh, individually. Kevin, if you were just don't have something, a screener to watch for work, you just want to collapse on the couch and watch something. What are you putting on? Well, it's interesting. Like, I mean, if you ask me this question at a different time, uh, I'll tell you what I'm doing now. Like right now, I'm making my way through a lot of classic films. Uh, Mm. I'm really in kind of a Western kick. So I just watched Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time in the West with Henry Fonda and Charles Bronson. Over the weekend, Um, The Great Escape, I'm going to watch this week. I'm I'm, I'm kind of in a, a bubble of classic films i'm trying to go through movies i either haven't seen or that i want to revisit because after my experience in no country for old men um and even once upon a time in hollywood where film that i saw that i didn't land initially and then i either grow with them or watch them multiple times so i guess genre wise if i was just going to put on a film in general i'm probably my go-to would be comedy or horror and i think those two are so mutually exclusive right i mean it's why you see jordan peele making horror films dave franco making horror films because comedy invokes such a it invokes a similar reaction as horror does. So I think those two would be the genre because I feel like I want to react to something. I feel like when I'm at home, I want to react to something. And I want to be able to say that I do what you do, with, which is find a classic movie and try to revisit it. 
yet I find that anytime I have free time, I'm just going back and rewatching something that I love that I love. That's easier to do. So so I was so stuck much in that, easier. I was stuck in that loop for a long time. Um, there was a period of my life where I feel like I was just watching, you know, Dunkirk 25 times or, you know, I, I I've probably seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood 20 times now, at least we watch it once a month, at least uh, because it's a movie you start and you don't want to not finish sure. it. Um, but to be honest with you, I kind of had to put myself over a little bit of a hurdle because I, I knew that there were films that I had not seen that I needed to see if I was going to consider mm-hmm. myself to be someone who could talk about films for a living. Um, so I went back. I've been watching like The Third Man. Uh, I rewatched mm-hmm. Citizen Kane, which really kind of I told you guys that. So it's really got to get yourself over that hump. I really advise it if you guys can to maybe pick a classic film once a week that you haven't seen and experience it. Like I, I've never watched the great escape all the way through. I have no problem right. admitting that I've seen it in pieces. I've seen the beginning scene 25 million times. I saw Tarantino recreate it in Hollywood. You know, Rick Dalton was almost in that. Right. So, <laughs> so it, honestly, I'm like, I'm on a massive Charles Bronson kick right now. Uh, I, I, I have never really, really gotten into his filmography as much as I wanted to. I think mm-hmm. he might be the most badass actor I have ever seen. And I've obviously seen Bronson in, in work before, but if you hone in on Once Upon a Time in the West, which is a masterpiece, mm-hmm. um, he's just brilliant in it. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Westerns is my Jake, genre. before I get to you, I want to mention the fact that last night, ironically, when you mentioned classic films, Kevin, Michelle and I were were pulling up Netflix because we're binging Shit's Creek. And we were going to get to another episode, and Michelle was tied up doing something before she could come in. So I just started flipping through to see what was there. And West Side Story was there. Yeah. And I have not seen West Side Story all the way through. Much like Kevin, I've seen bits and pieces of it. So I said, "Ah, we're going to start watching it. And when Michelle came in, for people who don't, who've never seen West Side Story, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this have seen it, the opening five to seven minutes is just the overture, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it's slowly fading into the credits. Yep. And at first... But like I, we both of us were like, oh, this is really neat. Like the, they're playing the music and it's a score. And then about three, four minutes into it, Michelle was like, well, can you fast forward? I said, no, no, no. <laughs> now I'm like committed to the bit. And then we were then we started talking about it. It was like, did audiences back in the 1961 just they didn't mind coming into the theater yeah. and sitting here for eight? They minutes? They were also in suit and ties and dresses. <laughs> also back right. then, we're we're way we're way more ADD now as a culture. Oh, yeah. and, and I don't mind saying that because I actually am diagnosed with ADD, so I'm not yeah. saying it in a bad way. But we we all love these 90 minute films that we're watching. Yeah. But but like you're, the point you're making is once you get locked into something like that. And it grabs you. Yeah. There's nothing more special. Like I'm finding films like you're referring to, like they're they're much more of an escape than anything new today for me. Like when I was when I dove into Leone's Once Upon a Time in the West for two hours and forty seven minutes, I was I was disconnected from the world, mm. and it felt great for a little bit to be back in that in that Western genre, sweeping gorgeous you know shots of widescreen. So. It's an interesting thing. Like you were committed to the bit because it grabs you. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a it unique experience. You. But yeah. I will also say though that what, with old movies like that, I have to remind myself that just like okay, this was the '60s, and this is just the way the movie was made. Because you don't, I don't want to dismiss something as dated instantly. Just like mm. oh, it's dated. We we wouldn't do it this way. So right. I am really curious when Spielberg comes around, like how faithful of an adaptation it's going to be. How is he going to? not modernize it, but, but use some of the modern techniques because he can't open his West side story with an eight minute overture. 
<laughs> and I mean, expect an audience to stay riveted. So, yeah. Jakey, I'm sorry, man. Genre, no. what would you throw on when you... Uh... Uh, definitely a horror movie. Yeah. Um, and, and, and to get even more specific, like, I find a, a, a strange comfort in, like, creature features. Mm. Um, like, I love, like, throwing on The Thing or, you know, American Werewolf in, uh, in London or... Um, you know the fly you know like jurassic park i love i love like monster movies yeah yeah um but uh and but to to kevin's point i i tend to get on kicks when it is like i guess beneficial because i have an interview and you guys know later this week i'm talking to oliver stone so i've been doing like um because he wrote a book about a certain period of his career so i've been watching all the films from that and that's a lot some of them i'd seen some of them i hadn't but that's like a lot of fun for me is going back yeah. and and but i almost need kind of that kick in the ass of like this is like for research but like it makes me want like Mm -hmm. sort of jacked up to like i've never seen salvador um which is like one of the first big movies that he directed so it was a good excuse to be like okay well like i need to see it to know what the hell i'm talking about so and then i rewatched um some movies i hadn't seen i had you know i rewatched platoon and born on fourth of july and and i hadn't seen scarface or midnight express in a while so i rewatched those um so but but there was a moment to your point kevin where i was sort of like you know like I'm finding comfort in kind yeah. of like revisit re, some in some points revisiting old films I haven't seen in a while, or mm-hmm. in the case of something like Salvador, just watching well, it for the first time. I, I watched Wizard of Oz the other day, and it was like God, a it's really probably been cr- twenty years since I've seen that. I got the 4K, and it, the transfer is phenomenal. And I'm like, I'm like sitting there in, in my room. I'm like, and it, it there's something about those older films that's such a, such a more escapism than the stuff we're watching now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like. Uh, it's almost like that warm blanket blend game we played. Like I felt weirdly comforted watching Leone's picture film. And in a weird way, it's not, it's a two hour and 45 minute Western. I don't know why, but it took it, but it was the, it was the perfect amount of escapism. And I I wonder like, and to Jake's point, it's like you need something to push you over that boundary because you get comfortable watching the same thing over and over. I can put 21 jump street on anytime I want because it's easy to watch. But if you, you gotta be an active participant to sit down and watch these newer, these older films, you know? Well, and I want to emphasize too, how often we have to, and believe me, I'm not playing a violin <clears throat> in any way, shape or form, but we're, we're forced to watch something for work. You know, it's like, it's preparation for an interview or it's, it's something that's coming up and we have to sort of catch up on it. So there are aspects of sometimes when you're sitting down to watch something, it it's, it's a work element to it. And so when I escape to something that I just want to watch because it's a superhero movie or some such, like I, I'm choosing it personally, selfishly, because I just want to do it yeah. and, and not have to. But also you want to be on autopilot, on. though. That, that, that's yeah, yeah, the yeah. thing. Yeah. Is like, yeah. Like, like, I want to be able to pick up my phone if I right. There's a need difference. to or want to. Like, for example, like Lauren and I watched the first episode of Watchmen last night. And I know we'll get into the Emmys at some point in the show. But I had to force myself to put my phone away and, and actively engage in it. It wasn't an mm. autopilot situation. And I feel yeah. like the what you're referring to and the question that Gabe posed on 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 our real blend Twitter was more about what your kind of like your autopilot genre. Like mm-hmm. you're 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 the one you throw on that you just like Lauren and I'll throw on Pop Star just to have it on in the house. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it's not like we're actively sitting down and watching it. But I am finding from a mental standpoint, um, just mentally, it's 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 not good to do that all the time. It's not good to be on autopilot like that. It's oh, yeah. better. It's better to find a focus. It's better to find a something to sit with. And like like I I can't wait to watch Great Escape all the way through. I can't wait, and I'm like so excited to experience it. And I have no problem admitting that I've never, I've never seen it. I've never seen yeah. Great Escape all the way through, but yeah. I'm gonna watch it. You know. So to me, it's like you have to make a choice to actively experience something. Gabe, what's yours? Since this was your idea. My go-to genre? Oh, God. Um, maybe 
Ah, I, I don't ever think of these because I don't have to answer these. Uh, <laughs> I guess I would I would often say sci-fi. Um, but I've I found myself, and I think maybe um, uh, uh, Knives Out kind of pushed me down this. I found myself more and more entertained yeah. with um, the murder mystery kind of, especially in that mm-hmm. tone. But like the fun, like murder mystery stuff, like like even um, Kenneth Branagh's uh, Murder on the Orient Express. I like which I just did after we got him for Artemis Fowl. I had not seen it and it's, it's, it's on Amazon. I, it's great. I liked it. What do you think? You liked it? Yeah, it's a lot I of fun. I liked it too. I, I really enjoyed it. It was one of those re- like really fun experiences I had that summer that came out where I had like time to myself. I just went by myself to the theater and, and, and watched it and had like a wild ride. And now I'm, I'm stoked for the sequel. And so I've been on a kick of uh, that kind of murder mystery genre. But Bran- Brandon did something special with that film. And I, and I know we didn't talk about it on the show because I don't think we were doing the show at the time the film came out. But like. That film was shot 65 millimeter, by the way, which was insane um, for him to be able to do that. But also, do you guys, you guys know how they how they did like the outside window, right? Like oh, yeah, how they did, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, I mean, for people who don't know, like basically he had screens outside the window that projected the images of the actual passing of the train so the actors could physically look out the window and see it, which yeah. I thought, you know... That that which seems to detail. be more commonplace these days. Yes, I just tell you did solo. Like when solo yeah. in, in in solo when they go to light speed, they had it in front of their faces. And I think eventually, like you know, that's it. that's the yeah. a number one thing that takes me out of any type of television show or movie now is, is when people are having a conversation in a car. And I can't Dude, not pay attention to like them. in a sitcom. Oh, it drives we're, me we're nuts. Like the, this, the, yeah, it's just yeah, yeah. this it's, happened to me yesterday. I was rewatching the Nice Guys. And there are so many driving scenes in that film where they're clearly on a stage <laughs> and, it, yeah. and it and it took me out of the film. I, I, I don't love nice guys like everybody else does. I thought it was fine. But that particular driving thing that you're referring to is the so bane bad of my existence. in that movie. It's so it. bad in that movie. <laughs> I hate so it. Bad. Right. Yeah. Kevin mentioned the Emmy nominations and we are going to touch on them from the point of view of uh Things that would be interesting to people who listen to this show. And so for one, uh, The Mandalorian, which we covered uh, as it was playing through, received a nomination for Best Drama Series. Uh, We talked about Hugh Jackman in in a role that we were sort of celebrating earlier in the year, uh, Bad Education, uh, a movie that went right to HBO after playing the Toronto Film Festival, oddly enough. It went up there and press screened and then HBO picked it up. Uh, we were discussing whether that should have been an Oscar contender, but the Oscar field is going to be so strange this year. And then Watchmen, which we won't get into huge details mm. for because Kevin's just wading into it right now. But 26 nominations. Dude, Jake, so you you love Watchmen, but 26 love nominations, Watchmen. does that seem uh, overwhelming? Or no, I think, <laughs> that, I think that's... Um... I think that's pitch perfect. Um, I, you know, best limited series. Every performance in that series is pitch perfect. I'm glad to see so many people. Um, you know, from you know Jeremy Irons and Regina, Regina King. King, yeah, 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 um, Abdul Mateen. You know, yeah, I mean, just really, you know, it was around the clock. Um, no pun intended. Around yeah. the clock, uh, <laughs> incredible performances. Um, that was such a deep cut of a pun right there. Jay, can I ask you a question? Uh, yeah. So this is not in the world of Snyder's movie, right? No, it is uh, uh, basically a sequel to the graphic novel. And, and so the big Rorschach indicator... is evil in this? Like, again, I'm only seeing the first episode, but why is Rorschach a negative thing? Well, I, I think the idea is that uh, years later, people have misperceived and diluted what Rorschach stood for okay. and taken it and used him as a symbol for something that he never would have been. Uh, he never would have stood for in he his a day, good guy. but they yeah. but they have sort of, uh, you know, ruined it and turned it into this, this horrible, uh, you know, this yeah. horrible group. 
Um, but the, the big indicate the big difference being that the series is going to, and I don't think this is a spoiler. It's going to reference the squid from the end of the graphic. It already novel. did. Some, it, it, so, rains, okay, yeah. it rains squids. Yeah. Like, so something, yeah. yeah, something that Snyder took out of it. So whenever people ask me, "Oh, can I just watch the movie?" I go, "Not really, because you really need to be familiar with what actually happened at the end of the graphic novel." Um, and it's going to come back up a little bit more later. But but I just thought it's just an astounding piece. Of, I did a top ten TV shows of last year, and it was my number one. I just it's it was, amazing. I, honestly, so far. It, it was it was if I were to put all pop culture. Um, uh, on on one top ten list, it might have been ahead of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for me last year. At the same time, too, it it starts to set up its own story and universe. Yeah, and very world. much so. So you don't have to be as familiar with the graphic yeah. novel because once you start to figure out who the but new I, characters but I are, it helps. Oh like sure, it's to, to, yeah. Like there there are pay like sure you could watch it without being familiar. But there are payoffs that I would argue are directly tied to the graphic novel. Yeah. So interestingly enough, the, the point Sean brings up is exactly what happened on the couch last night with Lauren and I. Like the, the it starts raining the squids right onto the cars, yeah. and I it's so funny you mentioned the difference between the book and the movie, Jake, because I remember he, I never read the book, but I remember hearing that, that Snyder obviously changed the ending to what we saw in the film. But I was trying to explain to Lauren what the squid thing meant, but I forgot that the squid part was the actual ending to his book. Yeah. And then in in uh, in the film, Doctor Manhattan's responsible for the half the population being wiped out, right? That's how the movie ends, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, the movie. Mm-hmm. I think that might be Snyder's masterpiece. It might be. Oh, is it, I is don't it his know. masterpiece? It's it's, t- it's top five superhero movies for me. Is it Snyder's masterpiece? Um, for me, it is. I'd say so. Yes. Or Man of Steel, one of those two. I don't know. I, I I think I think Watchmen is an underrated masterpiece. It was actually um, yeah. an intention for me when we did underrated blend. Watchmen so, might have the greatest opening song ever in a credits like that Bob Dylan track yeah. that plays. Sometimes they are through. changing. Oh my god! Yeah. But, okay, so it's, it's weird to discuss a, fi- a a television series like this com- contending for the Emmys and then the Mandalorian, which to me is just sort of escapism. <laughs> like yeah. that's like a thirty I, minute. I honestly don't think the Mandalorian deserved a best drama series nomination. Well, I know you don't. I, I you didn't love it. I understand that. But some of the performances in it, like. Giancarlo Esposito was really good in it. Did he? And he got nominated for that for guest for okay. guest performance, and then got nominated for supporting actor for Better Call Saul. The only person to get a nomination for Better okay. Call Saul. No, That's Kirk. Ridiculous. The, the Rhea Seahorn. Seahorn. Yeah. How, how did she? She's never gotten nominated. No. That is hands down one of the most the craziest things. Like like. Tiger King has six Emmy nominations and Kim Wexler has zero. Ray Seahorn is the heart of that show. Yes, I agree with you. She's the soul of that show. She's she makes all of that show more interesting. Are you guys uh, Ozark fans? Um, Ozark is one of those shows that Michelle and I have tabbed as like enough people have mentioned it that we have to circle back around to watch it. We watched the first season, but like so long ago and then never kept going with it. So we want to start the first season over. Because I just don't remember the details. Yeah. Well, when you get around, there's there's a performance specifically in this past third season that should have been nominated because that show uh, ended up getting 18 nominations. The guy that plays Laura Linney's brother. I'm, it's so funny it, you say that because I didn't see season three, but I did yeah. see the scene you're referring to or like yeah. or, or partially those scenes. Yeah. I, I went upstairs one day and Lauren was watching season three. And that person you're referring to mm-hmm. was on screen. I'm like, well, I Man. heard Laura Linney was great in this past season. She too. Is. It was. This is the best season of the show. Okay, and it's going to end. 
They're going to do two more seasons. They're going to they're do well. They're doing season Split. four, part one and part two, kind of like okay. they did with Breaking Bad. Okay, so it's worth catching up, though. You think we should oh, watch God, it? Yes, absolutely. Jake, well, when a show does that, so does Breaking Bad have five or six seasons? I I go by what they say. They five. to me it says it has five seasons, and in so, fact, on Netflix, okay. they're all squeezed into season five. Okay, so even if you break it in half, you consider that a half season. Yes. It's interesting. I, 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 I wonder what the or difference it's is. It's, one, what, it's, what, it's what the creators <laughs> intend. It's what the creators <laughs> intend. All right, so let's switch gears to a story that is going to, uh, I think, continue to make waves throughout the industry because I even had a follow-up from Cine, uh, World, which I think owns Regal, uh, commenting about this. And this is the deal between uh, Universal Studios and AMC Theaters to shrink the window between theatrical and home distribution. And this stems off of the uh, disagreement that those two companies had where after Trolls World Tour went to paid VOD, uh, AMC Theaters dug their um, heels into the sand and said, we're not going to run any more Universal titles uh, here because you guys aren't respecting the theatrical window, which is defended by uh, NATO. And it's I, I completely understand why AMC Theaters did it. They need to rely on this product coming to their theaters to drive audiences in. But no one expected this um, COVID pandemic to to keep going and keep the industry closed for as long as it has. So now they're trying to figure out uh, the best steps forward. And um, so the, the window was roughly 90 days uh, between when something was in theaters and when it could go to home video or digital. And that was a long enough time where you would assume anybody who wanted to go see something in theaters would get out to a multiplex and check out something. If it was a big title like a Black Widow or a Wonder Woman 1984, you wouldn't want to dodge spoilers for that amount of time. Um, you'd want to be the ones to go see it. Uh, now that it's 17 days, I guess they're arguing that um, it's still a long enough time to get a theatrical run. The people who want to see it in theaters can enjoy it that way. But then it gives the studios the ability, because if they do return to theaters anytime soon, it's going to be under the... Um, setup of uh, social distancing and reduced capacity and so they can make up some money by being able to go to paid vod after 17 days now the reason why i find this to be fairly interesting is well one, one point about this too when i read this um and daenerys also believes that this is important very upset is that families in particular um who have uh, an animated film that's not necessarily driven by spoiler culture or the need to see it immediately if they can wait 17 days to see the next Minions movie or a Scoob or something like that, they can spend $25 on the paid VOD and the whole family can watch it. And that's a better setup than if F9 is coming out and a Fast and Furious you know, audience member wants to go see it on the biggest screen possible to enjoy that. Then that makes more sense. But then today, Cineworld came out and they were like, they dropped a quote that said, um, there's no business sense in this and we're not going to support that. And I, they called it the wrong move at the wrong time. So uh, if this isn't I, initially, I was waiting to see how it was going to fall out. Like, would all the other studios sort of be like, yes, let's do this uh, and get in line, especially with someone like Disney having Disney Plus behind them and, uh, you know, other studios exploring ways to do paid VOD. Um, but now it sounds like they're not all going to get on the same page. And this is going to be something that still continues, continues to shake out. But, um, Jake, I'll start with you. What was your reaction to hearing this news? And did you think that it was, um, like a smart direction for them to head in? 17 days concerns me about maintaining the theatrical experience. Like 17 days is like, let's, let's listen three weeks. It's two and a half weeks. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, for a lot of these big movies, by the third week, they're still making a lot of money. And I think for a lot of average moviegoers out there, people that just go see a couple of movies a year. Yeah. The, if they know I only have to wait like two and a half weeks and I can watch this at home, I think it's going to keep them from going to the theater um, I think that this is potentially really dangerous for the theatrical experience. I, I mean, there are going to be people, you know, like in this podcast, people that listen to this podcast that are always going to prefer the theatrical experience. Like, sure. like people that listen to this podcast are not the people I'm concerned about. The people I'm concerned about are just the average person that are just that like really had that has stuff going on that maybe even if the movie were going to be in theaters for 90 days, maybe it would be the third week before they could get out to go see Wonder Woman or mm-hmm. Tenet or whatever the case may be. And so now if they, you know, but the thing is, they're going to say, well, why am I even going to bother? I can wait through, you know, like I'm not worried about spoilers. I don't, you know, no one's going to spoil it for me or if they do, I don't care. Like I'll just wait till I get home. And I think enough people do that and you're going to start to see a pretty massive dent and the theatrical experience, and that concerns me. Kev, does it worry you? Um, I, I think uh, I, I, this is a complicated issue for me. Um, I think that this is inevitable. Um, we are moving towards this VOD era. Uh, obviously, the pandemic sped that up. Um, this has been a long time coming um, in regards to that window and that question of uh, theatrical to, to VOD. 90 days, you know, I could see someone arguing 90 days might be a little much. Um, 17 days, obviously, is a very dramatic difference. Um, at the same time, I liken this to Netflix, um, where I have no... I actually don't mind the 17 days thing. It actually doesn't bother me one bit, and I'll tell you why. Um, because it forces the first two and a half weeks to be solely theatrical, so therefore, and now I, I also don't believe, and I correct me if I'm wrong, the movie doesn't leave theaters after that 17 days. It probably yeah. stays in theaters and then it also goes to VOD. That's my understanding of it. I, I think could be that's wrong. right. I think right. that's right. So you, so to me, the, the, this story doesn't bother me because it still gives the theatrical experience the first go around. Mm. Um, so if you're Christopher Nolan and you put Tenet out and you're not, you're, you're not, uh, uh, you're not feeling like you want to go to a movie theater. You're not, you don't feel safe. You can't afford it. Uh, it it's too far away or whatever it would be. Um, if you, that, that might be a convenient thing for you to do is watch it on VOD. Now, at the same time, you're talking to somebody who is against the idea of experiencing a film like Tenet for the first time, not you know in your home. You got to see it in a theater. But I also understand that that is a very... I guess, privileged thought process. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm lucky to have theaters near me. I am lucky to be able to afford to go to a movie. I'm So I think, you know, Sean and I had a pretty eye-opening experience when we were at Roma and we, we heard Yalitza talking about, um, this was a, a Q&A we did with, or we went to um, with Alfonso Cuaron and Yalitza, the star of Roma, and she was talking about this idea that movie theaters were three hours away from her house. And so Roma being available on Netflix was a very special thing because it, it gave her the ability to watch it in her home and not to drive three hours to see it. Now, I know that's not a VOD storyline, but it still gave access to that film to a family who might not have been able to go see it any other way. Hmm. So at the same time, I, I liken this whole thing to Netflix because they were giving films like Irishman and Roma theatrical runs one to two weeks prior to dropping on Netflix and then continuing the Netflix run and the theatrical run. So that being said, I don't mind it. I, I think I think we are going in this direction. I would rather have this than no movie theaters at all and just VOD completely. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Now, 90 to 17 is a gigantic jump. I don't know how they came up with 17 days. Yeah, isn't that funny how um, they negotiated that? I would have maybe argued maybe a month, um, but still. So, see, 30 days feels, that, yeah. that feels fair to me, because yeah, 30 days is enough yeah. for the average person to be able to say, look, I didn't have time, I've got the kids, I, you know, I, I couldn't make yeah, it yeah, yeah. first or second week. And I get your point of the, of, the, of the movie staying in theaters past those 17 days, but let's be honest, for, for the person that it's difficult for them to get out to the movie. Yeah. The second that that movie is available to rent in, in their yeah. living room, nine times out of 10, they're going to choose that. Mm-hmm. But also we all know that audience like, like, you know, ticket prices are very high now in the sense of like the number of people going to the movies, I don't think is as much as it was back then. Like in the sense of like, there are less, I, I, I could be wrong, but movies back in the day, like gone with the wind, if you inflated their pricing to today's standards, their box office would be gigantic. Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue, and I don't have any statistics to back this up, that less people, maybe less people are going to the movies. I, I don't know if that's the case or not. I mean, I could be wrong, but with ticket prices so high, for example, if Avengers Endgame opens to $200 million, how much would that have opened to In Gone with the Wind's day with yeah. those ticket prices? Well, there were and less that, other options to yeah, do. Yeah, I would say they didn't have True. as much to do. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess the, uh, so scratch that point. I think the point I'm trying to make really is, at the end of the day, I feel like as long as the theatrical experience is the first thing that anybody has to do to see the film, if Tenet comes out and you have to see it theatrically first, mm. I'm okay with that because it gives that two and a half week window. For me, I'm comfortable with it. As long as Kevin, the theatrical I, experience stays forefront. That's all that matters to me. I have a question for you, Kevin. If you have a viewer, mm-hmm. just like, you know, an average movie goer, maybe they see a movie once every couple of months yep. and you just swear by tenant like Mm. you see it and it's the greatest thing you've ever seen and a viewer comes and says oh that's awesome i can't wait to see it i'm just gonna wait i'm gonna wait till it hits till till it hits the old uh the old television (laughs) like like i i know you well enough to know that that's just gonna shred your soul that that's just gonna destroy you the first time someone tells you that i also feel but i but you're right it would shred my soul internally uh i probably wouldn't like you know say anything to the person but i guess the interesting thing about it is i'm 36 now and I've done some maturing over the years in regards to. I was going to say, I under- think you've changed. But no, but the, the point being is that I understand that the way I view movies isn't the way everybody can view films. Like nobody, like I saw Dunkirk six times in 70 millimeter IMAX because I was either in LA for a junket or I was in New York for a junket. I seek these things out because they're important to me. Um, I, <laughs> I do feel in the uh, reception room for the post. Um, and you oh, yeah. were going to talk to Spielberg and I, I wasn't getting him. And you were on your phone looking up Dunkirk times. Oh yeah. <laughs> so that and you I went run over to, yeah. was it Lincoln Plaza? Is that where you were going to, oh, yeah. to watch it? Yeah. I interviewed Steven Spielberg for the post. <laughs> yes. We nerded out about 35 millimeter film. And then I went and saw Dunkirk. Like was it was funny. like, it, it be, but I mean, again, it's, it's one of those weird situations where I think I have to step outside of myself. Right. Uh, you know, me, Kevin, I will always go to the movie theater first. You know, I got a 1917 screening in the uh, screener in the day that I was supposed to, was supposed to see the movie in theaters. I still left my house and went to see it. Just a choice that I made personally. It was just, I'd rather have seen it on the big screen. So I, I think at this point in my life, I'm done being mad at people for like not agreeing with like, oh, I'm, I, I can't see this movie on a theater. I'm going to watch it at home. Cool. You know, that's you. You know, I mean, all I could do as a, as a, as a journalist is try to convince people like when Dunkirk came out, I don't know why I did this, but I did. 
when I was on, this was back when I was doing like national stuff with Fox. I, I told you guys before, I but yeah, I, 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 on the air, I said, tweet me your zip code and I will find you a 70 millimeter IMAX theater to watch Dunkirk in. I did it for Interstellar as well. I mean, thousands and thousands of tweets. I went through every single one of them and I found a, and there was one person who drove eight hours to go to see a 70 millimeter IMAX version of Dunkirk because of my recommendation. Now that is because like I, in my mind, if you're on the air and you're being passionate about something yeah. to answer Jake's question, if I go on the air and say, oh my God, 70 millimeter IMAX of tenant shot in IMAX cameras, eight story screen, insane sound. If that doesn't get you fired up to go watch it that way, then, then I can't change your mind. You're just going to watch it at home anyway. So I well, think, you know, for me, I'm just kind of over being mad at people who don't maybe agree with the way I view films. It's, you know, just do what you want to do. But if you want to listen, that'd be great. It's also pretty interesting because there are tiers of people who we, we try and talk in blanket statements about how this, how to approach all this, but there are directors who, who quote unquote, make their movies to be shown yep. in theaters yep. and they have earned that right. Um, but, but then we, by doing that almost overlook, and I'm going to use it as an example, someone who was on our show, who was a fantastic guest who has her movie coming to, uh, select theaters and paid VOD, which is Chris Ray, who did the movie with, uh, Gillian Jacobs called, I used to go here. Yeah. And she would, she has invested all of her time and, and resources into making this movie. And all she wants is an audience to see it. You know, like she would love for it to be in a theater, but she just yeah. wants people to be able to see the movie that she made. So it is kind of funny to think about that. There are people that are like, I've made this movie, but in order for you to see it, it's got to yeah. be in this format. Um, and it's not I'm not trying to say pretentious, but there's a weird it would be almost be like Gabe's <laughs> Gabe nods his head. Yes, it almost be like if you recorded an album, like if you were a band and you recorded an album and you had all these ways to get it out to, for people to listen to it, but you were like, it can only be played on this very specific uh, device, right? And and who yeah. has access to that device versus dropping it on Spotify and letting everybody listen to it. So, right. But to I, your I, point, you, you bring up something very interesting. If you look at the bottom of any Christopher Nolan film, mm-hmm. everything always says in theaters, blah, blah, blah. And then it yeah. says with special engagements in 35 millimeter, 70 millimeter and 70 millimeter. IMAX. Sure. No, he's if, the exception or, or but, one of them. But my point is, if Chris Nolan was going to be super pretentious about it, he would only show the movie in 70 millimeter IMAX, which there aren't a lot of in our country. So, like, you know, he I guess the point I'm making Wait, you're is, saying that Nolan slumming it is going to 35. <laughs> no, no. Well, I mean, to be honest, seeing a 35 millimeter film print of Tenet would be a lesser experience only because it was shot on actual IMAX film. You know, no. Tenet was shot with 65 millimeter and 65 millimeter IMAX cameras. So at the end of the day, I think the Sean point, the point you're making is remember how heartbroken we were when Tony Cervoni told us that he wasn't going to be able to experience his movie in at the Arclight. Remember that yeah. we were talking to him and like how mm-hmm. devastated he was. But then, like yeah. you said, the idea of it still getting out there is important. But the I, I will end on this note is I will always always support the theatrical experience. It is my number one priority. No question. But I also understand the other side of it. Jakey? Sean, when you get an interview opportunity, yeah. do you get disappointed when you get print instead of TV? Depends on who it is. To be In all honesty, it depends on who it is. Because print usually means more time. Yeah. And it usually means they are relaxed. Um, yeah. It's a little more laid back. TV... I just disagree with the format of TV. Like these four minute soundbite interviews are not interesting. 
They're not interesting to me anymore, to be honest with you. And part of it probably is from doing this show. Part of it is, is the, the joy we've been, we've been able to establish. With this well, show. We absolutely have been spoiled with this show. But dude, even even I'll even call someone like Dave Franco out, um, who ended up being a tremendous guest. Mm. It, it took him the first two questions to break out of. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm an actor promoting a movie. I think after our first two questions, he realized, oh, wait, I can breathe and, and discuss things here with you guys. And then the rest of the interview flowed that way. So well, um, well, I guess the point I'm making is, and, and Kevin, I think you would you could maybe appreciate this. Like if, if you were working on this story for, hmm. for Fox 5 in D.C. Let's and do. you were just insanely passionate about it and your station was like, cool, man, we're going to throw it on the web. <laughs> like, isn't All there right. a part of you that would sort of be like. Damn, dude. Like, no, I made this to go on the show. I made this to go on the air. Like, I didn't make this to, to for people to, like, maybe discover it on, on a website. Like, mm-hmm. like at the end of the day, yeah, it's still getting to people. But whenever you make something, you make it with a certain presentation in mind. And especially sense. I know when I do those big, long pieces you guys have seen, if I busted my ass doing, mm-hmm. like, that, like, the Tarantino mm-hmm. piece or the John Travolta piece or the Shining piece, and my boss came back with, all right, dude, we're just going to put this on the website, I wouldn't do them anymore. I honestly well, wouldn't. It's funny. I'll never forget this. I was at the Hail Caesar junket in L.A. and the talent was insane for that. Right. It was like it was like Channing Tatum and George Clooney paired together. It was like a big, big junket. Oh, that's a charisma overload. Right. So I, and I'm in the hallways. And the only thing I care about is wondering if the Coen brothers are going to walk through these doors at some point. So I go to Universal and I'm like, is there any way I could sit down with the Coen brothers for television? Because I would love to sit down with them. They were like, they're not going to do TV, but they'll give you 10 minutes of audio, uh, uh, like a print type of interview. And I'm like, hell yeah. So I walk in the room and it's Joel and Ethan. It was like, a, it was really kind of special to meet those two guys too. Cause you know, they don't do a lot of stuff. Mm. And to be honest with you, as I sat there on the couch with them, we sat on the couch together and did the interview. I, I thought to myself, man, this is so much more awesome than the Clooney Tatum experience because the, and again, going back to Jake's point, Sure. And me having a video interview with George Clooney from my station is amazing. And mm-hmm. I get that. But there's something more relaxed about I would rather have 30 minutes with Christopher Nolan non video than have four minutes Christopher Nolan video. Jake, but that's still that's, that's still like not that's completely different than, than the comparison I'm making. The, no, the comparison I'm making print. is like you're you're doing something and it's either going to be presented on like a station website or it's going to be presented on on like on your new show not 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 a are you getting someone or are you not i'm talking about you busted your ass on a news piece you're incredibly oh. proud of and it's either going on your show or it's going on your website i i refuse to believe that you wouldn't be at least a, dis- a little disappointed oh, if after busting your ass and I, to me that's the comparison i get with like someone you know if the rousseau brothers were told hey like avengers is going to vod sure a lot of people would be yeah. able to see it but I, there's a part of them that i think justifiably has mm-hmm. a right to go well, shit, like, okay, like, that sucks. And that, I, I feel like I understand. Mm-hmm. Not print versus, like, yeah. TV, that's what I was answering. But that was a bad, that was a bad comparison. Sorry. Okay. To, to Jake's point, though, I think, I think it's a thing that is changing on both sides of create, creation and, and showing of, of these projects. Like, I think more and more creators, one, I think creators are just excited to be able to tell stories because that's, like, that's the ultimate goal. Um, but I think before all this, even with Netflix and things like that, I think there are more people who would traditionally fall under like a theatrical writer or director who are Mm. changing the way that they're telling their stories to fit a limited series format or a series format for these big 
uh, these big venues, quote unquote, of Netflix and Disney Plus and all that stuff. I think people are more I I think there's always going to be a glitz and a glamour to the idea of a theatrical release. And I think if anyone makes a pro like if anyone signs onto a project expecting that, that will be Mm -hmm. disappointing. But I think Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone's going to have a have an issue selling a project going into it, knowing it's going to be a VOD release or a Netflix release. Well, Tom Hanks didn't seem too happy about Greyhound. No, no, he wasn't. I I actually, Gabe, I am sorry for cutting you off, but the point you made was was Tom Hanks. Remember how upset he was about the, in those quotes? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think to to Jake's point, I think that's true. And I think people who get caught in this, this weird threshold of they were supposed to, but now they can't are definitely devastated to, to some extent. But I think moving forward, if, if this new, if this new window means that, that more movies just go to digital formats. I think creators are just going to change their expectations in the, in the, yeah. end. I mean, we're in a weird gray area right now. It is a gray area, but I also feel like at the end of the day, this was inevitable, right? We all knew this was coming. We all knew VOD was going to be a thing at some point in the future. We all knew that theaters have been holding on essentially by strings. It'd be un- until these like Marvel films and star Wars films. I mean, think about the movies that make a lot of money. It's the films that are just recreating the nostalgia of our childhood and, and sequels mm-hmm. and prequels and, and based on books and, you know, uh, original stories, you know, unless you're Christopher Nolan or Tarantino, it's not really doing, a, I mean, Denis Villeneuve, I and mean, there's a lot of filmmakers who we love, but, but Denis, Denis Villeneuve is another gr- example. His films don't do that well at the box office. He's Blade remaking Runner. Dune. <laughs> do, I don't, is Dune going to do well in the box office? Like, it, it, here's the thing. I mean, Blade Runner didn't do well considering how much it cost. And I feel like that would have had more appeal than Dune, but don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm all in for Dune. I just don't know. Is there a, is there a wide audience for Dune? Dune has Dune. I think the thing that he's doing with Dune that he hasn't done before is he has Thanos. He has Timothy Chalamet, True. like his cast. He has Poe Dameron. Like he has a blockbuster cast. Arrival did well that you can sell in a trailer and just tell people it's a new you just thing. dismissed Josh Brolin and Oscar Isaac. As well, no, but no, my point is, I don't think people, but there are more people that would say that's Thanos than they would say yeah. that's Josh. Bro. Yeah, no, he, that's um, actually a really interesting point. Like, like there are there are actors that you just point to and you say their character's name. Like hmm. there, there are for the general audience in particular. Yeah, I mean, like Poe Dameron, like if someone saw Adam Driver walking down the street, a kid would probably say. Kylo yeah. Ren, not Adam Driver or yeah, yeah. Daisy Ridley, they would say Ray. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Do you guys ever see, um, and I know you're probably all going to cringe. You guys don't watch Big Bang Theory, do you? Mm-mm. There's an episode where Sheldon comes across James Earl Jones uh, at a restaurant. And James Earl Jones looks up and goes, let me guess. You like Star Wars. <laughs> and, 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 and Sheldon like, like nods his head and he goes, you know I've been in other movies. And Sheldon <laughs> says nothing. He goes, but you don't care about those, do you? And Sheldon goes... <laughs> That's pretty That's funny. funny. Uh, before we jump to this next topic, I want to read to you guys the uh, top five uh, films at the 2020 box office because I was looking at this chart earlier, and it's it's funny when you talk about the things that make money and and how they uh, bad rekindle. boys is it bad boys? Well, bad boys. Okay, I was going to go from five to one. Okay. So uh, five is the Invisible Man. Do you remember when that what? movie came out? Do you know? The, do you have the worldwide totals on these? Uh, this is yeah, worldwide box office. Invisible Man has one hundred and twenty-eight million dollars. That movie costs worldwide? seven million. Mm-hmm. Worldwide. I'm looking at twenty twenty worldwide box office. Birds of Prey, two hundred and one million dollars at the box office. <laughs> Doolittle, <laughs> Robert Downey Jr.'s <laughs> no. Doolittle oh. is the third highest grossing film of twenty twenty right now. 
with uh, 224 million <laughs> worldwide. Bet he wasn't expecting that. Sonic the Hedgehog is number two. Right now. I liked Sonic a lot. I revisited well, sure. it recently. It's really good, actually. But it's not the number two highest grossing yes, film of the is. year at the end yes, of July. It is. What was Sonic's total? Uh, three oh six. Wow. Three oh six million. Yeah, and, and then, you know uh, why it made that money is because they fixed that garbage CGI they had. I mean, that I was that one of those. A lot. I love that story, by the way. I love that that happened for them. That was a fun movie. And then Bad Boys for Life, $419 million. So good for them. This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Good for them. All right, so let's get to the next topic, and we won't spend a lot of time on this, obviously. But Tenant has a new release date, and it's um, the plan essentially is going to be internationally in markets where it can open on August twenty sixth. Select U.S. cities uh, over Labor Day weekend, which would be the September third date. Um, all right, let's let, let's go on record and say on uh, July. 29th do we think that those dates are going to hold i'm gonna say yes i think yes those dates are gonna hold you Jake? know the, the the thing that i'm curious is is to if this was brought up at any kind of a meeting with warner brothers are they worried about uh like bit torrenting yeah are they worried if it opens up internationally are they worried about americans well, they have to be just getting online and and because i feel like a lot of people obviously I think I can safely say that no one in this podcast would do this. I think I can safely say a lot of people listening to this podcast would never do this. But when we talk about the average moviegoer or the person that does that, like they are absolutely the second it opens somewhere internationally. Oh, and so I mean, I'll use as an example to talk about the Invisible Man uh, briefly, bringing that up. I was getting my hair cut the week that that was coming out. 
mm-hmm. or, or the week right, like days after it had come out. Yeah. And the girl uh, who cuts my hair knows that I review movies. And she said, oh, so what have you seen lately? I said, oh, The Invisible Man's really good. She goes, I know. I watched that last night. And I was like, oh, cool. Where'd you go? And she was like, no, my my mother-in-law had a copy of it when we went over to her house and she had a DVD of it um, that she and so we watched it on her TV. And I was like, don't tell me that. Like, just no, don't I, tell I, me that. The thing, do you guys don't actually feel like a lot of people tell me that with the expectation of me going like, oh, cool. Well done. And whenever someone I'm go like, no, like, what, yeah. what, why do you think that that is something that I would approve of? Like, why, why are you bragging to me that you like stole something? That happens to me all the time. I yeah, have me too. a family member who I won't call out um it's michelle about, isn't it who brags about the person who comes by a restaurant in their town with a duffel bag filled with um oh, dvds God. and just goes around literally goes around from table to table at the restaurant and sells dvds of first run movies that are in. so yes to to speak to your point uh the minute that uh ten, tenant plays anywhere it's going to be available online in some type of format. So, and I know, Kevin, you have said you're going to delete all your social media to avoid any details. Yeah, I feel it. like I have a hot take on this one. I think you just push to 2021. Yeah. Don't release it staggered. I, I, I think it's too dangerous. I, I want to see it right now. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think that Christopher Nolan, I'm actually surprised Nolan agreed to that. Um, yeah. considering- but he's really wanted it out, dude. Yeah, he's but really like- wanted it out. Yeah, but U.S. is a gigantic part of his box office. And the fact that for me, based on cases spiking right now and that uncertainty aspect to it, every other film pushed to 2021. The only reason I would say to keep it where it is would be to hopefully save movie theaters. Mm -hmm. If 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 this move can help ensure that movie theaters last through all this. Okay, but wait, let me add this, because I think AMC, and I didn't read the full story, so I'm guilty of this. I thought they just closed some type of financial deal that would keep them solvent through spring of next year. Right, and I saw the same article, and so my point would be, it's like, like at this point, just put the movie out in July 2021. Mm. Just do it, 7777, I don't know, I, I just, I'm just... I am. It's so dangerous to release that film internationally in 70 plus markets. Right. A week before the United States. I know it happens with Marvel films and and things like that. I, I get that it mm. happens, but it's unlike Nolan, I feel, to to put the movie out to yeah. the rest of the world. Well, they're knowing- putting themselves in a position and they I, I would argue that if they do follow through with that. And trust me, I was the guy like last week or the week before saying that like you can't wait on America. You can't like you can't like like it's yeah. our fault. Like we haven't, the same, you know, we haven't been not, following the rules, yeah. but you also have to be aware that when you do that, yeah, there's going to be a huge chunk that you're going to miss out because people are going to steal the movie illegally. And, and I'm not I'm not saying that that should convince you one way or the other, but it is something that I feel like the studio. I mean, they, they're not stupid. They have to be aware of that. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. I, and I hate that that's an issue. I hate one. I hate that we're not getting it because we can't get our stuff together and put on a mask. And then I, I hate that um, that because we can't put on a mask and we're impatient that we choose to just steal the product. And I'm not saying we as in like us, but I'm saying a collective group of people out there that because, you know, that, that they would absolutely do that. And that really bothers me. But it is it, the, it's it's the reality we live in. If you rewound this podcast to episodes in the past three or four months, you would hear gigantic differences in opinions of how we've changed our minds. It's been like, interesting. It, it, it's I actually, feel like I was saying Tenant wasn't coming out for a, a long... Well, there was a good portion of this podcast where I was saying Tenant ain't, tenant ain't happening. Not that it's not happening. I'm talking about like the conversation we're having now about when to push it 
back. Mm. Like, 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 like three weeks ago, I, I might have been like, oh, yeah, give it to the other countries because we yeah. our country messed up. I still and, believe you know give I mean? it to the other countries, but I'm just saying, like, right, well, be aware of what's going to come of it. Let me ask this. If it does open in select cities over Labor Day, but it's not in your cities, but it's a nearby city. Would you guys go to a nearby city to see it? I don't have a car. I would fly to Canada to see it. What's your Canada ain't letting you in, dude. They're not. I'll just quarantine for 14 days. In the theater. Just it's keep watching it. it. For Tenet. Kevin, Kevin quits his job to watch Tenet in Canada. Remember. Becomes a citizen. Don't try to understand it, guys. Just feel it. Well, there's also, and yeah. I've been, I've, I've been, un, I've been, uh. Be careful. Yeah. I, I don't know where I you're going. I think that, I, know where I you're going. think that, um domestic press might be able to get a chance to see it to coincide with a potential European release because we may have to for a site like cinema blend not maybe not necessarily for your guys regional markets it's harder to justify showing it to the hey, critics I have a worldwide podcast the critics and re- you as a real blend podcaster you may have a door kicked open for you um Cinema Blend is a global, of course, we're larger in the U.S. than we are anywhere else, but we're a global site and we will have to write about the movie when it opens, wherever it opens, um, under the pretense that we know what it is and we can uh, talk intelligently about it because we'll have an audience will have seen it and want to to read things about it. And so I'm I'm believing in my heart uh, without knowing anything that uh, domestic press may get a chance to see it. So you guys might get a chance to see it in a. Um, in a safe environment because no one again is not going to send us a link yeah. in any way, shape or yeah. form. Um, do you think gonna... by this day next month, August 29th, we will have seen tenant. I don't know. Yes. I don't know. Yes. You think you say yes. I say yes. I'm going to say All yes. Right. I mean, yes. Jake, Jake, you go back to our discussions months ago when you and I were having arguments about the film coming out. And one of the things that we always said, or we always stopped to say was like, Jake's logically thinking and I'm emotionally thinking. Right. And you know, I I clearly emotionally, I wanted tended to come out and I didn't want to believe that it wasn't going to come out. Um, And, you know, over these past couple of months, as I told you guys already, when I went to ocean city, it changed my entire perspective on the world and how people Mm -hmm. are acting. And like, I can't see people actually, wearing masks and staying consistent with it. You know, a lot's changed, you know, since we first started talking about Tenet's 717 release. Um, And, you know, I have no problem admitting that, you know, for me, I've gone through an arc myself about how I feel about everything that's happening right now. And I'm to a point where you guys know Tenet's my number one movie, anticipated movie of the year. I want to see it more than anything. But I also don't want it to be spoiled for me. I don't want some jerk texting me from, you know, and saying, oh my God, did you see this? Spoiler from the European release. Dude, yeah. I'll never forget this. The day Force Awakens opened, mm-hmm. I posted my review on, on my Facebook page. And just what I thought about it, spoiler free, it was on that Thursday or Friday, whatever the date was that came out. In the comments of the post, before the film hit the US market, it hit Korea, I believe, first. And someone screenshotted Han Solo's death into the post and and posted it under my thing so everybody could see it 
Like I, I and to a point where like Disney got uh, Disney heard about it and I like they called me like Kevin someone posted this on your on your thing can you try and delete it before more people see it because it was like it was literally Kylo Ren's like stabbing wow. of of Han Solo wow and like that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about like yeah you know if that happens to be with Tenet which is why I'm gonna turn my phone off for that whole entire week if it comes out August 26th internationally and then comes to us Labor Day I, if that gets ruined for me. Dude, I don't know, I know what how, I'm going to do. I man. know how you felt because with, with Endgame, That's, like ugh. people saw Endgame at the premiere the night before we got to see it at our press screenings. And I was just so worried about hearing anything that, that could happen. I saw so it I took, at the premiere and I was worried. I was, worried yeah. I was like, That's, someone. That's probably the most I have made an effort to just like stay off yeah. social media and stay off my phone. That, that whatever, well, you know, like 20 hours between yeah. but when also, we saw it to the day after the premiere, the premiere itself. There, there's two types of people. There are people who respect that stuff mm. and people who just don't respect it. And, you know, if I walked out of Endgame that night, being the first audience to ever see the film, and I texted Sean and said, dude, guess what? Iron Man dies. Yeah, yeah. Like, there are people out there who get off on that kind of stuff, like yeah. meaning that they they people oh, actually like some people just want to watch the on. world burn. Hang on, hang on. If Kevin texted Sean the ending of Endgame before he saw it, I don't think we'd have a podcast. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't think. No, but, but, that, I don't think you guys would be friends. But there's there that classic who, video though of yeah. the guy driving past the bookstore. Oh, oh the, that, that breaks my heart. Oh, that video yeah. makes me feel so bad. And, you know, in college, I thought that was funny. Yeah. That's I really messy. No, it's not funny. It's no, horrible. Dude, it's, I see, I don't think it's funny. That no, would be horrible. like you waiting in your Avengers Endgame press line. And someone, know. And, you know what I mean? No. Like, and, I know. But my point is, there are... That's like, a big one, too. Just like I said about, like, you know, the... The, the situation I saw in Ocean City where it changed my entire perspective on, on movie theaters reopening and tenant reopening and things like that. I feel like this is another reason why I just don't trust other people. Like there are people who live to make people's lives miserable and mm. ruin things for people. And I guarantee you somehow a text will make it onto my phone from somebody who says, hey, did you see this? That. Tenet secretly an Inception sequel, whatever, whatever the spoiler would be. Again, I don't know if that's the case. Clearly, here's it's just the a, only a defense. Theory, I know but. what you're saying. I, I don't think Tenet is the type of thing that can be spoiled in a text. It feels uh, way it, too elaborate. If Tenet is an Inception sequel, that would be a gigantic spoiler. It would and, be. And, yeah. It, I mean, could you imagine huge. someone ruining that for you? Now, again, that's just a theory. Or, people have. you know, like Split, the end of Split. Yeah. 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 But it's like, like Tenet. Tenet is shrouded in secrecy. Nolan shrouds his films in secrecy. Could Leo like, be in Tenet? Could Leo show up in Tenet? I mean, the, no. the theories about... Dude, the <laughs> Tenet trailer reminded me so much of Inception. I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a little bit on that bandwagon train thinking that Nolan might pull a fast one. I just come, I don't know. That'd be a really hard thing to pull off. That'd be pretty great. All right, let's get, awesome. to, let's get to this weekend movies, and then we'll get right to our cliffhanger blend game. Uh, the only thing opening is is Beyonce's film, which is coming to Disney+. Plus. It'll be available to start streaming on July 31st. It's called Black is King. It's a visual album uh, that she is doing, coincides with the Lion King uh, album that she did earlier. Jake, I know you were a huge fan of the Lion King. Um, and I try to ask you guys, is she doing any press? I, I didn't even bother asking because I thought it was so ridiculous to ask I if she was doing it. But now she... I'm going to feel really stupid if, if, if you guys are like, oh yeah, there's a junket and we got yeah. Beyonce and she was great. Uh, no, I don't think she's doing anything. Uh, I, pray, I, pray, I, pray, I prayed to Beyonce and you I got her, her for the yeah. movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. You guys, ever, um, yeah. You guys ever ask for somebody and like, I, I have sent, I, did, I sent one yesterday, I have sent interview requests with the the subject line like stupid question yeah. like i sent an email to, to apple oh, sure. yesterday being like hey 
Oprah has a show coming out. Like, can I talk to Oprah? Because, like, you do believe that they have to do some kind of press. You would, yeah, you would think that they would do. It's just who the gatekeeper is going to let in, yeah. essentially. Um, yeah, I mean, I've sent a number of uh, emails for this podcast specifically and been told that we're going to get certain yeah. people. You usually and, um, hear back from, like, maybe 5% of them. Like, mm-hmm. I, when I first started doing the interviews for my radio show years ago, I would send 30 emails in a week, probably, and I would hear back from one. Uh, yeah. Like, I remember one week I got I got the villain from Commando, but I didn't get Bradley That's Cooper for cool. A-Team. You know what I mean? <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> this is before I knew what a junket was. I'm like, I'm like, like, like Jake just said, I'm like emailing these, like, publicists going, hey, can I get Bradley Cooper for yeah. A-Team? I had no clue what a junket was. <laughs> yeah, but, you know. I sent an email uh, yesterday or two days ago. Liam Neeson has a movie coming out, <laughs> and they sent me, like, an interview opportunity but it was like the second guy in the movie and I replied back and I, I knew the publicist the publicist I have spoken before and I was like hey like you know can't really use that guy on the air but like is like can I get Liam and I think her response was something like Jake if I had Liam to give you I would have yeah. led off with like, like I, didn't, I didn't randomly just forget yeah, to yeah. offer you Liam Neeson yeah. the same thing happened to me I interviewed I uh, emailed HBO earlier this week because my, my father-in-law uh, Lauren's dad is a huge Perry Mason fan and I'm like I wonder if Matthew Reese is I doing anything great yeah it's really really good I mean I'm like I'm like two episodes in but it's very good and so I emailed HBO I'm like hey can I interview Matthew Reese and they go he's he's not available but we'll give you this guy I'm like ugh and so there's, there's that like, Jake's Jake's bringing up an interesting thing. It's so awkward to reply to that because like like you, then you don't want to like downplay yeah, the I mean, person. I always just offering. say like, look, like it's morning television. Yeah. Like you know, there's a certain. And, oh you know, yeah. It, because to me, I'd argue it's the same thing. Like if because I would make the argument where like if 60 Minutes or CBS Sunday Morning reach out to HBO and wanted to do a piece on Perry Mason, I guarantee you Matthew Reese would be available. So if they can pick and choose based right. on who's asking, then we can pick and choose based on who's being offered. I'm I'll throw out something that happened somewhat recently, too. There was an email we got, a a PR email pitched, and I'm not going to mention the project or the person, but the person was listed as uh, available for interviews. And I wrote back and said, um, oh, we would love to have that person on. And the response (laughs) they got back was, "Okay, let me see how available they really are. And and it was legitimately like. I'm going to see how many requests we get and yeah. then I'll figure yeah. out where Which you fall. Which is a new, a new thing. They, they, they're they're sending thing. out these, like, this is such an inside baseball thing, but they're sending yeah. out sort of these blanket emails yeah. being like, so-and-so is doing press and then I'm like, oh, cool, I want them. And they're like, cool, we'll get back to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, so so I didn't get invited then, so I'm not special. <laughs> right, right. What was this invitation yeah. then? Yeah. You're gauging my interest yeah. to talk to fill in the blank? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's pretty high. All right, cliffhanger blend. Um... So there was a lot of debate. Well, not debate. I saw a lot of people's suggestions for cliffhanger blend. Oh, Jake, you were off. You were off for this. Kevin and I had this conversation. We were both under the impression that the idea of a cliffhanger means that that there had to be something that comes after it to follow up. I I, I agree. So I had a debate with um, with my buddy Chase, who's a big fan of the show. And he texted me and he was like, because because I know uh, when when Gabe was sort of explaining it, he also mentioned Inception. And yes. so the question was, to your point, does there need to be a resolution? And whenever I, I, I Google defined the word uh, cliffhanger on my phone, yeah. it did say like as part of a serial serial to me, implying that there needs to be a follow. There needs to be a okay. resolution. That's the way I it. view it. So I, that, I think so. I so I am choosing to not pick something like Inception, but instead pick the one that I picked. Yeah, I don't think Inception fits. Again, it's interesting because it's Gabe's game. Gabe's the one who came up with the the game. So, you know, he can make the rules for it. But at the end of the day, 
cliffhanger to me implies that we get some type of like answer next. Yeah, like so Inception too. didn't make me go, I want another Inception movie. I just wanted to know if it was a dream or reality. Um, so, but it wasn't a continuation of a story that I needed. It was an answer that I wanted that I'm glad I don't Someone know. also said like the greatest cliffhanger was Kaiser Soze, like starting to walk straight. And well, I was like, that's a twist. That's, 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 yeah, so that would be like twist blind. That's something yeah. that makes you go back and look at the movie that you just watched, but you're not like, oh my God, keep telling the story. Right. I gotta go. I gotta go. Right. So, yeah. all right. Yeah. So Kev, go ahead. You're up first. I mean, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like I've told the story on the podcast before, so I'll, I'll keep it quick. But I mean. I was Lauren and I were lucky enough to go to the Infinity War premiere. Um, mm. So this is going to be from the perspective of a world premiere uh, and obviously not from uh, seeing it in a normal theater experience. But that being said, uh, I've never seen anything like that before. Mm. Um, that was to me, it was such a I, I'll never forget when that film ended. I'm like, this movie just did that a massive multi hundred million dollar Disney property just ended a film with Spider-Man dying in Iron Man's arms <laughs> and disintegrating to dust. Mm. That is how a movie just ended. And we have to wait a year or whatever it was till the next one. Now, to give perspective, I have not read the comics. I didn't know who Thanos was until I started watching these MCU films. Um, Thanos was 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 in my mind from the Avengers films and obviously these particular MCU films, but I did not know who Thanos was from the comics. Um, so I was sitting in a theater without any knowledge of what this snap was, what it was going to do, who was going to possibly come back. Sure. Um, and I'm glad I kind of stayed out of that vacuum because there was another vacuum you could have been in there where, oh, you know that other film, you know, Black Panther 2 is going to be coming out or like, so you just assume that no one can be really dead because of the slate coming up. So there's there's two ways you could like, I guess, uh, uh, put this in a situation where it wouldn't be a great cliffhanger because you would just know from a business standpoint, oh, they're going to make more movies, whatever. Sure, sure. So for me, I was out of that vacuum. I, I, I just I got so immersed in what the Rooster Brothers did. I think Infinity War is one of the greatest movies ever made. I think it's one of the greatest paced films I've ever seen. It is a masterclass in pacing. Um, and so when that cliffhanger happened at the end of the film, when he snapped, I couldn't believe that a massive studio basically had the cojones to actually do that. Like that was a gigantic deal and a big risk, in my opinion, because and I get it from like an audience perspective. But then I thought about like a 12 year old kid, right, mm. sitting in that theater who doesn't really know the business who doesn't really know the slate? Who doesn't really know that Black Panther might come back in the sequel? Um, and I just thought to myself, that's kind of how I felt about it. I was like, I couldn't believe that that happened. Um, and to me, that was one of the greatest theatrical experiences I've ever had to be in an audience with people who were just dead silent at the end of a film. I mean, mm -hmm. we're in a major world premiere theater watching the film with the cast. And it's you could hear a pin drop once that movie ended. Right. Uh, and for me, not knowing the idea of maybe what who can come back and how that all that stuff works. I just sat there with my jaw on the floor. Luckily, there was somebody sitting in front of me who understood the comics and was like, oh, well, this, 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 this will happen, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, I'm so happy I didn't know any of that prior to that moment, because I got to experience that 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 cliffhanger with a legitimate fear of what the hell did they just do? <laughs> yeah. So for me, it, it, it's it, it's a personal thing, right? Because 
it depends on how you viewed it, right? It depends on what you knew about the Marvel films going forward or who Thanos was or what could you know possibly bring back these characters. And so to me, going through the next year and wondering how they would actually bring back Spider-Man and Black Panther and Doctor Strange and, and then to see it realized, the time hop into New York, into Asgard. Mm. I just thought it was such a brilliant brilliant way to handle it and i thought that to me that was the greatest time period was wondering how that was going to happen so to me that's why i put that at the cliffhanger blend um it's my choice too <laughs> so I mean, it's just i'm sorry i didn't mean to uh, no it's, it's just great it's great and i mean mind blowing it's fun because now i can talk about it from the point of view of somebody who does know the characters and does know right originally where i assumed they were going to go um, but there are still so many moments throughout that that movie where you just assume this is where they're going to win. And there's no uh, yeah. greater moment than when Thor buries the axe into his chest. Yep. And I thought, oh, well, that's how they're going to that's how they'll get. That's how they got him, you know, because up until that moment, you still believe they're going to triumph. You have not been conditioned to believe that you're going to get to the end of an Avengers movie and they're going to lose. And and the Russos, I think, would argue that it's not. I think they do argue it's not a cliffhanger. It this it's the ending of the movie where just the villain happens to win. It's like to them, it's it's the complete it's a complete movie where Thanos wins at the end of that one. Um, but and I'll tell you how great they are with their storytelling. And I say this to you guys all the time, too, but I don't think you honestly believe me. Um, I watch those movies all the time like they're, they're oh, on I disney plus <laughs> they're in they're on in my house constantly and we i was watching infinity war a couple days ago and i was at the scene where they were fighting thanos um on his home planet and michelle was walking through and it was a big fight scene and she's looking at me and she goes do you actually like like watching these big fight scenes like they're interesting to you and i said yeah it's, i said to me i just love seeing these characters and their powers in action. So to see them team up in the way that they're all fighting. So she sits down and she's kind of watching it. And it's the moment where um, Mantis lands on top of him and she's got him under a spell. And Tony and Peter are pulling the gauntlet off and, and uh, Star-Lord confronts him. And when the glove starts to come off and then he wakes up out of it because he got punched, Michelle was like, oh, my God, like she like she'd seen it multiple times. And she still was like wrapped up in like, oh, I think he's going to get the gauntlet off kind of thing. Infinity War has so many of those moments where you're like, oh, this is where they're going to get him now. They got him now and they don't get him now. And um, we especially at Cinema Blend obsessed over those movies and the production of those movies leading up to them. Um, we could not as a staff wait, wait to find out how Infinity War would play out. The minute it ended, we spent a year, a full year where daily we just speculated about what could happen. Dissecting and it every inch of it. Yeah. So yeah. I can't imagine that we're going to have another movie going experience in our lifetimes nope. that will captivate uh, us as an audience. I can't imagine being as emotionally invested in any time. Like, there's a reason I don't hang a lot of stuff, but they're the two <clears throat> posters that hang in my office because as an experience, uh, they're the greatest thing that I've experienced on a movie screen. And so the way that that cliffhanger left me at the end of Infinity War was masterful. And uh, the Russos will forever hold a special place uh, in my heart because of that. It, so It's honestly, I agree with you. I don't think we'll ever like I mean, Force Awakens. But then we all saw what happened. So kind of tainted that. Um, but <laughs> no offense to anybody who likes them, uh, Jedi. But I mean, at the end of the day, to me, 
the Infinity the Infinity War cliffhanger. Like like you you said it, everything I wanted to say, Sean. And Sean, so by the way, since you knew the characters, did you just assume they were all going to come back? I, well, like that, that, I, I had a, I had a 30, 45 second window as I sat through the credits where I yeah. didn't know anything about slates or what was going to happen with like new films or how Thanos would bring them back. So I actually got to like sit in that horror literally like, well, like oh my god i'll tell you what was the most surprising about it was the the characters that dusted you know because if they dusted a bunch of b-level folks yes and the one that really gets me is a akoye turning around and seeing black panther dust mm-hmm. and it's like in another eyes, universe right? yeah in another universe she dusts and black panther is the hero who sticks around but when it was like huge folks and then of course spider-man you know like big people dusting all the guardians dr strange people like that and i was like oh they're not kidding around at all you know like this is for real they're dying into it and so um so yeah uh, amazing jakey you're up wait, wait empire i'm not choosing empire everyone uh, everyone because i'd argue that it's sort of like twist blend where i would have needed to experience it organically mm, gotcha. where it's sort of like i mean and so for me i mean i think the first time i went into Empire, like i knew what the whole deal maybe i didn't like understand it like okay it's like the bad guy winning and stuff like that but i didn't get to experience that twist or that cliffhanger organically without you know without sort of having some pre-existing knowledge just because of its place in pop culture sure i will say that if i could pick really what i wanted to pick it would be a tv cliffhanger um which i i think the oh, lost season three without giving too much because i don't want to ruin it for kevin yeah. the lost season three cliffhanger it's a good one um kevin when you get to it in about eight years you're gonna <laughs> really love it um, <laughs> i'm still on page 75 of the catcher in the rye since 2005 so i no, it's cool i only watched five seasons of fucking better call Saul. it's, it's not like we had a deal or anything it's cool. a better show but the <laughs> sorry sorry my bad my bad uh, but uh, so my favorite cliffhanger of all time, I would say the Lost season three cliffhanger. But cinematically, uh, Infinity War. Um, I oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So we all th- all three we chose. All cho- I honestly yeah. did not know you. But no. for, for the record, yeah. I had no clue. And I I feel like I could have guessed. More I feel of like a case though. Yeah. I should. I feel like I, I should have known yeah. that Sean was going to pick yeah. that, but yeah. I didn't think about it. It's it's. I don't think we'll ever see anything like, because also like there was so much weight to that in that we had been with so many of these characters. Uh, for some of them for years at that point. I remember, obviously, all of us saw it in advance. We all saw it, um, you know, and, and, you know, so, but I went back opening night with uh, the person that I was dating at the time just because I wanted one. I wanted her to see it, but I also was like looking forward to the ending because I could not wait to see what that audience, and I will never forget it was over. And, 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 and like, like with, with uh, your screening, Kevin, like dead silence, you know, normally after those movies, people are up and they're talking yeah. and they're jacked and they're walking out and they're grabbing mm-hmm. their stuff. It was dead silence. And there was a kid with his parents and the kid just going, kept going like, wait, no, they're not dead. What does that mean, dad? Yeah, and, yeah. and then the dad just kept going like, no, it's fine. Like, you know, it's fine. He goes, no, like, no, like he would not get out of his chair. He's like, no, like dad, tell me what that means to like, what, wait, what, like, where are yeah. they? And the dad had to be like, well, they're dead for now. And he goes, no, they can't be dead. Like, it was just like, to your point, Kevin, like, imagine, like, if we could have experienced, like, like, we were grown men when we experienced that and the impact. Imagine, like, yeah, the, the purity of not having a knowledge of this business and having yeah. the forethought of, like, oh, it's going to be fine because they'll come back in a year. Imagine that just mm-hmm. being your existence. Imagine living in a <laughs> world where Spider-Man was dead. 
Like, that is astounding. And and the fact that they pulled it off, the fact that Disney allowed them to pull it off, yeah. hey, I, I, I sort of knew going in that, like, there was, like, a, a comic book plot line in which he snapped his fingers and that happened. But I remember thinking, like, to, to Sean's degree, one, I doubt they're going to let him do that. And if they do, it's going to be a lot of the characters that we don't really like. They're not going to be ballsy enough to, especially, like, like $2 billion Black Panther. No yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No way. But And so when that happened, it was just... I don't think we'll ever experience anything like that again in well, our lifetime. That being said, Kevin, for the love of God, if you don't watch Lost, I swear. I we made a deal, it. man. We I'm made a deal. It. In the season three cliffhanger. Sean, you know what I what I mean when I say oh, season three cliffhanger? Yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about because you, it was you, tremendous, tell me that's, tremendous ending. Yeah, it was. And, and the thing is, too, and and, and here's here's why, to the, to the point where, Kevin, I'm, I'm a little disappointed for you and why I didn't choose Empire. Whenever I talk, and people that watch Lost and listen to the show know exactly what I'm talking about. When that happened, without giving it away, the season mm-hmm. three cliffhanger, it just went to black. Lost came up at the title card like it does. And then there was this unsettling feeling of like, we have to wait a year and a half. Because it was in May, the finale. Mm-hmm. No, not a year and a half. I'm sorry. It was like a half a year before. Like, but like, like, well, I have to wait. Now you ha- you can press play on on season four, episode one. You can just go instantly to it. But like that, to me, the wait has to be a part of it. You mm-hmm. have to experience something and then not get a resolution for a while. You have to you have to sit with that. And to <laughs> okay. me, that is is what a cliffhanger is. Part of my um, maturity that I've been going through, I guess, recently uh, is owning up to my. Uh, mistakes so jake is right we had a deal he watched better call saul i did not uh, uphold my end of the deal with loss i got through 17 episodes um so i'm gonna make a promise now literally as we speak that i will get to the end of season three by august 15th oh wow no that's too much that's too much end of august can you give me the end of august because seasons one two and three are long that's fine so what i'm gonna do is because uh, Jake, Jake is right. I would give you to the end of the year. No, give me to the end of August to get through the end of season three. And, uh, Take September. Why. Take to September. Here, I, I don't right. want to do it. Like, I don't want to affect your, your marriage. Right. <laughs> Here's what I'm going to do. And because I, you know, guys, you guys know my broadcast from home and all this kind of stuff. So every morning, if I can, or every other morning, I'm going to try and watch an episode. So I will make a promise that by the end of September... I will have seen the cliffhanger you're referring to. Okay. And all right, September. I, yeah. and, I, and, I, and I know that. That promise comes with like, yeah, right. He said that already. No, um, I trust you. But I am, you know, I, I, you guys know, I, I talk to a therapist once a week and, you know, I deal with anxiety and depression and all that kind of stuff. So I found myself over years making promises and doing, saying things and just not following through with them, which was not really a nice thing to do. So in this case, Jake's 100% right. I am sorry for not following through with that, but I, I promise you on this podcast that I will finish the end of season three by the end of September and we will Deal. discuss it. Kevin, would you call it a big mistakey? It was a big, it was a big, it was a big mistakey. Uh, you know, I, I, I was, it was definitely a big mistake. I feel really bad that I didn't continue watching that. <laughs> Jesus, um, Jesus. But, <laughs> we're asking right. people to pay for more of this. This is audience picks now. Uh, here's where I'm going to call people out for not, these are not, cliffhangers uh jenna jenna Mammon says the graduate not a cliffhanger just an ending uh, yeah i don't know how the ending. graduate ended how did the graduate oh, it's, it's where they get in the bus and they're driving away and then they, they runs really, to her they, wedding they, and they, they why have is that these, a cliffhanger well they have the, the looks on their faces kind of imply like oh we might have messed up oh yeah. oh, oh oh it's not a cliffhanger 
It's a melancholic ending. Yeah. That's like an Inception. It's like it's like it's Is like oh, 500 Days of Summer. Yeah, uh, release August. Stephanie and Randy uh, both said The Empire Strikes Back. I mean, I, that that's a cliffhanger. That yeah. legitimately, when it ended, yeah. you were like, "Well, I need to know." And to to point you to your point, Jake, when you said the the kid who said like, "How can Spider Man be dead?" That was the gut kick. That was how can Darth Vader be Luke Skywalker's right? That really did, did I mean, you, that literally. Was there a period of time? Because like you know, I'm assuming you know whenever that that movie ended, like for a year, yeah. a couple of years, three years, or however long, yeah. people were debating. Was there a belief of like, oh, he's lying and he's not telling the truth? Yes. Or or, or it, that, that was that was the general idea. Well, that wasn't the general idea, but I think people kind of floated that as a suggestion. Yeah. I mean, I was 32 when that came out. I'm trying to think back. Dude, you um, could not have. Pots- oh, I, was, I, was, I, was, I didn't know you were being serious. I was, no, I was like, I don't think that math kid. adds up. Uh, Rachel, Bo- Rachel Bowen gets the correct answer. Kill Bill Volume 1. Uh, the best I cliffhanger saw that. of all time. I saw that yeah. and didn't even want to engage. And then Corey Holland says, uh, saw an ending uh, featuring, obviously, friend of the show, Lee Winnell. Uh, cliffhanger? Saw a no. cliffhanger? No. Twist. 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 And then a lot of folks got very, very literal in terms of cliffhangers. Um, and I'm supposed to ask you guys, Anna, who has been listening to us from like before Awards Blend, like, no, not before, like during Awards Blend, she has been a listener of the show and she recommended the Italian job, the original Italian job. Where they're Michael literally Kane. hanging off a cliff. Yeah. And I went back and rewatched that sequence. I did get a chance to see it before. And she wants to know if you two have had a chance to go back and revisit the original uh, I mean, Italian revisit. job. I haven't watched it. I think she asked within the last two years. I haven't watched it, but, yes. but I mean, but I've seen it. And, and so I knew what she was referring to. It's tremendous. It's literally it's like a cliffhanger, a, a thing of gold uh, on yeah. a teeter totter bus. <laughs> and if they go over to get the gold, it's going to put them over the edge. And so it's, it's a terrific. Yeah, it's a literal, a literal cliffhanger. Well, then then you have the best of both worlds when you do Force Awakens because you're it's it's both. Right? Yeah. Literally. Uh, she's it's, on it's, a cliff. He's on a yeah. cliff. And it's a cliffhanger. No, no, I'm saying, no but, but, but it's still a cliff. They're still on a cliff. It's a cliff. And it's a cliffhanger. Yes. Yeah. And Kevin, it, in that beautiful, uh, preserved moment of before he throws Oof. the lightsaber, your love of Star Wars is still there. I just... And, uh, I missed that. I, mi- I missed that enthusiasm that I had the moment that movie ended. It was just. Dude, crushed. who are you telling, man? I yeah. know Jake was at the premiere. I would, have, I would have been like devastated if I traveled to California to to, to see that like that. All right. So for next Actually, week, the uh, premiere was still cool. Jake got to hang out with Mark Hamill. It was an awesome experience. I like think Mark Hamill film. got to hang out with me, but six half dozen. It's true. We're gonna pick our uh, next week our favorite movie genre, and as a bonus, uh, when we pick the genre. We're going to pull our favorite movie from that genre. So you can reach out to us using hashtag movie genre blend. It's a little bit, it's a little bit building off of what we talked about in the weekly poll, but it doesn't have to necessarily be the one that we would go to. This would just be your favorite genre of all time. Uh, and then you have to pick your favorite example of your your best movie from that genre. So use movie genre Jake's. blend. I know Jake's. Uh, do you? I don't know. I'm not so Jake's, sure you do. Jake's is definitely, uh, his genre blend is David Ayer. That's his favorite genre of movies. Oh, it's, it's yeah, he, he, he loves David Ayer. He's coming on the show. David Ayer does make hey, a very I, specific I love David type. Ayer. <laughs> and, and, oh, well, well I got to talk to you about that afterwards because uh, we, Kevin and I saw The Tax Collector. Uh, so it. anyway, you can let us know your pick via email at uh, realblend at cinemablend.com. You can use the hashtag, hashtag movie genre blend uh, on social media. And um, then you can also 
use those different functions to send us a review, just like uh, Joseph Lapelio Lep- Lep- uh, said this week. And Joseph wrote to us and wrote with the subject line, this podcast is brilliant. He says, so I live in Australia and I've been a huge film fan for years. I've been binging this podcast throughout quarantine lately. And I have to say the chemistry between the three of you is fantastic. And you guys are hilarious. Each episode makes me even more eager to go back to the cinemas. You guys have inspired me to pursue my passion as an aspiring filmmaker. The way that you discuss film as just three guys who love film makes me feel like I'm part of the conversation and I'm proud to be a member of the Blender family. You guys are the real deal. Ah, funny. And by far my favorite podcast. P.S. Both of those Tarantino interviews were mind blowing. And I'm so happy for Kevin for being able to experience that Dunkirk uh, with a ton of N's three R's and uh, three exclamation points by the very end of that. We're going to have a really hard time breaking audience members from the uh from the dunkirk are we switching it to tenant or are we just going to retire it if and when we get nolan i just keep doing dunkirk man just keep doing it yeah <laughs> it's our thing yeah. it's it's not even a part of the movie yeah anymore. yeah yeah, it, I, it, yeah dunkirk, I forgot it's, it's a movie yeah. <laughs> it's, right. it's, just the way we end it's an idea it's a yeah. it's a battle we're actually yeah, celebrating just, a, a specific battle yeah. in british <laughs> maritime just, history I, I do think we should start saying it like sam mendes dunkirk 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 oh i mean i we should just get like, uh, I still think one of the funniest things that Gabe ever did was that that montage of different different Dunkirks over the. I forget which episode that was on, but people need to go back and sort of find that. Okay, anyway. episode one hundred. It was it was for episode one hundred. It was for episode one hundred. Yeah, oh, that's it was cool. like a special like because we hit a hundred episodes. God, I remember when that was this year? Yeah, that was the no no. Well, yeah, I guess it uh, was. It was yeah, January. Yeah. yeah. Very beginning of this year. All right. Anyway, time to go, man. Uh, we'll be back with a new episode next week. Until then, you can find us uh, at Jake's Takes at Kevin McCarthy TV at Sean underscore O'Connell. Please drop us a review in our different places. We'll read them here on the show. Uh, don't forget to look into the uh, Real Blend Premium, where you can get uh, even more Real Blend, and of course, the shop CinemaBlend.com backslash shop. You can pick up T-shirts, stickers, mugs, all si- all type of fun merchandise that uh, has the logos from the show. So until next week, Dunkirk and Lost season three finale cliffhanger. By the end of September. By the end of September. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.